Welcome to the Wing Life Podcast, where we talk about wing foiling and the lifestyles of those who enjoy this great sport. How was the flight back home from AWSI? It was pretty hectic. We flew separately. Um, I actually, after AWSI, went across to Orlando and had a couple of days, which felt like just driving all around Florida, <laughs> um, catching up with a few guys over there. So I had two days in Florida after AWSI, and then I flew had to go Orlando, back to LA, back to Auckland in New Zealand, back to Sydney, missed the connecting flight in Sydney, and then Adelaide. So my journey home was long. I think yours was pretty young. It was pretty it was simple. Pretty yeah, I was so exhausted after the whole show that, um, yeah, it's, normally I, I can't sleep on flights at all, but I was out like a baby and slept throughout the whole, pretty much the whole of the big flight. And yeah. Got back, it wasn't as bad as, uh, as I thought. <laughs> Hey, that's not bad. How did AWSI end up for you guys? It was wild. It was a pretty crazy experience. First sort of international trip of that kind. First time in the US for me of any decent time as well. So just the culture shock, the amount of gear at that event and the amount of people all foiling was just mind-blowing compared to what we're used to. So I think once we got over that sort of initial, yeah, I guess culture shock, um, the actual event and so many people i think what surprised us is how many people already knew about foil drive or how far the brand has gotten without us being over there um was very surprising that's for sure um so to have to have so many people that we've worked with already and we know of and that contacted us or yeah we work with them as a dealer or a shop or a brand or whatever um to actually meet those people face to face is yeah really really good um, yeah, that would have been pretty fun, eh? Like, um, we never once, I kept saying it to all sorts of people, but I kept saying, like, we never had to explain what foil drive was or what we do or who we are. It'd be, hey, I'm Ben from Ford. Oh, I've seen that stuff. My buddy's got one or I've got one or, yeah, a friend down the street sells them or I don't know, whatever it was. It was, that was mind-blowing coming from the other side of the world, that's for sure. I think what took me by surprise was the, uh, the amount of people that either saw us just wandering around the trade show or on the water. So whenever we went for a session at the hatchery or wherever, just random people coming off the water or going onto the water, they'd look at us and they'd go, hey, you guys are from Foil Drive, how you doing? Like, it's just taken aback with how many people just yeah. wanted to come and say hi and, you know, express their, their gratitude for, mm -hmm. for, you know, the product itself and how much it's helped them. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was really cool. Hey, that is cool. Well, at least that it was a really successful trip. Then yeah. that's positive. I think uh, I think every night we're stuck in the booth until well after the close of the show. And there's a uh, there's a photo getting around that one of our guys took. It was six thirty on the Friday night, so the show technically closed at five p.m. And it was an hour and a half after the show. All the main booths across the front were all like packed and gone, and all the trucks gone and everything. Everyone had gone. Everyone had gone. The only tent that was remaining other than ours was the, the reception, the, re the registration the tent. tent. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> else packed up and gone before we even managed to, to get rid of the last yeah. sort of person. And we had like 10 or 15 people in the, in the booth still asking us questions and some of our dealers still there like talking to us and, and like, yeah, I'm still doing interviews with like Olivier from Codewater and like it was just, 
Yeah, we were broken. It was absolutely <laughs> broken. <laughs> as much as three days, you're like you're pretty done with talking and, and all that kind of stuff. Like I feel like if we were there for a week, we still would have been talking <laughs> to people. So hey, that's awesome though. So that means your story's getting out, your brand's getting out, people are loving your product. Hey, what the? You can't ask exactly. for much more than that. Exactly, they're nice. all awesome problems to have, I guess. And again, I think just meeting people face to face is so important, uh, especially. Like this kind of thing, it's all about fun. It's all about getting out in the water, having a good time with your buddies. Um, and I think we try to keep our brand that way too. Like between Paul and myself who started four-wheel drive, like we just want to go out in the, on the water and ride. We don't get to do it as much <laughs> as we'd like to anymore. But that's what it's all about. And, you know, we're just trying to share what we're good at and what we do well and just share that with more people. That's it's really the genesis of why we do this and I think that's the reason why a lot of people in the water sports game do it is because they love it and it's their passion and they just want to share it so that that face-to-face -face time with people and being able to go out in the water with people is awesome so so cool oh yeah no that that's a good that's a good entry into it definitely because you entered yeah. into it for the right reasons and I think with that you can get some exponential growth and everybody's looking to try to find ways to go lighter 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 wind and yep. this is an option. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a little bit of background, I guess. Paul and I are both uh, much more versed in the surf side of things. Like that's that's particularly Paul. He's surfed since he was a kid, absolutely loves it. It's got a blown out shoulder, can't paddle anymore. And then when foiling came around, it was all that. He's built electric surfboards for like 15 years. Um, but they never felt like a real surfboard, whereas when foiling came about, you could build an electric foil. And back then what he first initially built didn't really feel like a surf foil like he wanted. So then it became smaller and smaller. And then here we are, we've got foil drive and in the surf, it's, it's perfect. It's the electric mountain bike of, of surfing. It helps you get to the top or helps you get back out to the waves, get onto the wave and away you go. The winging side, we initially we were like, no one's going to use them for winging. Like, why would you bother? You got this big parachute and you're capturing all this free energy, free energy, and you're harnessing that. Why would you ever want a motor? But it's been very surprising the amount of people who are using four drives, um, you know, four wing, which I think Dom really was one of the first pioneers of that too. I was driven to it out of necessity because where I was living in, in Amman, like 80% of the time it's super light winds. I mean, we always get that sort of 6 to 10 or, or 8 to 12 knots. Mm. And when I first started... <laughs> My first ever foiling gear was with uh, a big old 125 litre Nash hover board, a GoFoil Maliko setup, mm -hmm. and a four metre Nash windwing, which just, I, it was impossible. I just could not get up onto foil. Um, then when the first seven metre came out, um, I bought one of those, and with a lot of effort, I could get up onto foil, but there was still a lot of light wind days that I, there was just no hope. I pumping the wind. The wing like absolute mad until my, my lungs were bursting and just could, just felt like I was always on the edge. And I mm -hmm. knew that if I could get up, yeah, I could so. cruise around, I could practice my jibes, my tacks, do this, that, and the other. And um, so yeah, when full drive came along, wow, that was, it's just a complete game changer. Um, I had by that time I was on a 110 litre board and uh, the box at the back, I, I, my first ever video that I sent to these guys. I had my, yeah, it was a seven meter geotone slick and I was holding a GoPro stick at the time and I just said, 
right, guys, I'm going to try pumping without foil drive to see if I can get up on foil. And I pump. It was one of those sessions where I was about to run out of energy and I just managed to get up on foil and I was panting and I was going, well, I did it, but that was exhausting. I came down on oh, yeah. uh, with the board on the water and I said, right, now I'm going to do it with foil drive. And the, <laughs> it, it was comical. literally, I pulled the trigger, I was vroom, up on foil and I was I literally you surprised just, yourself. You could tell yeah. the actual real <laughs> genuine surprise. Like, oh my God, I'm doing it already. <laughs> I'm on foil. And I had the, literally the wing was just there for, for balance. It, I, mm, I didn't exactly. even do one pump. Yeah. Um, but that was with the motor up high. So once you use the motor to get on foil, the motor turns off, the motor comes out of the water. Mm. You've got a very small amount of a small package that's being added to your system, but you're still actually genuinely wing foiling, mm. harnessing the wind. You're yeah. only using the motor for that very short. <laughs> I, I came yeah. back in with 83% of the battery remaining. That was the big battery. <laughs> yeah. So the next okay. time I took out a small battery and I, th I think I still had over 50%, no, mm. I think it was about 46% left after a, a three-hour session so uh, that's yeah pretty good pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty good so i guess what is foil drive what? yeah we should back up the truck <laughs> so it's a it's a very small lightweight electric motor system that you can add to almost any foil on the market i think our current compatibility list which has grown since we saw you last week is up to about 93 different miles, something like that. Oh, so awesome, fellas. Awesome. It's, yeah, it's a retrofit. You've already got a bunch of gear. You might be a winger in a light wind environment like Dom was, and you just need that little bit of help just to get a foil, exactly like what Dom said. That's exactly what uh, the foil drive is there for. It's We want it to, there's been some funny sayings going around in the last few weeks as well of like, we enjoy using our foil drive the most when we're not using it. And that is such a weird. This episode is brought to you by Saladita Kite School in La Ventana, Mexico. If you caught some of our uh, stories yesterday on Instagram, you'll have seen that. I just got in a couple epic days of downwinding. We got a 10 kilometer downwinder done with my buddy Mickey from Salt Spring Island. Today, I got in an epic one with my friend Britt. Um, we went from La Tuna all the way to the beach and back. Um, heck of a fun time. If you're looking to learn, there's nothing better than getting a lesson from the pros at Saladita Kite School. They are positioned at La Tuna, and now that I've been here a little while, I've gotten the opportunity to visit to a couple different spots. It is one of the more beginner-friendly beaches with some nice sand so you're not walking on any rocks. Um, they do offer professional jet ski-assisted kite and wing foil lessons. Um, so once again, they're at La Tuna. So if you want to grab a beer after, grab some ice cream, grab anything, it is a nice little hub there. So you're not just stuck kind of in the middle of nowhere. So they have you covered if you want to learn how to kite, foil, or looking into downwinding. They got top quality gear as well. Uh, so don't hesitate. Book your lessons today by visiting saladitalaventana.com or send them a message on Instagram at Saladita Kite School at Saladita Kite School. Way of saying something, as in when I'm not using the foil drive, that's when I love yeah. it the most because that means you're doing real, real foiling. Real foiling. You're yeah, you're foiling. You're wing foiling, you're downwinding, you're pump foiling off a lake, any of those sort of things. That's what all us guys and girls get into is that sensation feeling of true drag-free or very low drag foiling. 
the foil drive is there to get you to that point, mm. and then we want it to go away as much as possible. Once you're on foil, it almost becomes irrelevant because Correct. yeah, you, you barely notice it. Yeah. It literally is a tool to get you up on foil, and once you're on foil, even I was blown away by how little impact it has to your sort of yeah. foiling performance, whether it's wing foiling, prone foiling, flat water pumping. I, you know, I even do that mm -hmm. with foil drive because, uh, you know, if, if I'm jumping off from a ladder or a dock and I fall off, I have to paddle back to the start point. With foil drive, there is no start point. You, wherever you fall in, mm -hmm. you can take off from. And then you just build up a bit of speed, ollie up onto foil, and you're pumping again. And you can chase weights. You can ride weights so much further because there's no danger of, if you do fall, can you paddle back? You know, how long is it going to take you to paddle back to the software? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's just opened up so many avenues. It really has. Yeah. Huh. So how did the whole... I guess you, you mentioned that you, you got into it from passion, but how did the, the whole design, how did that concept originally come from? Can I, can where I just, did it before, come from? And this is definitely his surgery, but I just want to say at this point, it still blows my mind that this invention is is with us in existence because of Paul's mountain bike accident and because Paul and him have got this crazy relationship where they just, they're, they're used to building drones and, and real high-tech sort of electronic stuff. And if oh, it wasn't cool. for their friendship and, and business relationship, then this would this crazy idea would never have come to fruition. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's got a pretty crazy backstory that I'm sure you don't have two hours to sit here and uh, <laughs> we got time, man. It. We got time. Yeah. I'd love to hear it, to be honest. <laughs> there's a uh, there's a full podcast we did a little while ago, like over on our YouTube channel as well, where okay. we went through. It literally is two hours of basically just the backstory, but. The compressed version that might take 35 minutes is, uh, <laughs> is um, yeah, so uh, funnily enough, both Paul and I grew up mountain biking, Paul also grew up surfing. And uh, as I said before, he had a really bad mountain bike accident and he also, you know, just overworked his shoulders surfing as well as that mountain bike accident really cut up with the final nail in the coffin. So when he was out surfing, he always got tired of fatigue quite quickly, missed a lot of waves, just always wanted that little bit of an extra boost to get onto a wave and being that surf background. Uh, my side of it kind of comes in with that uh, mountain biking and then, you know, again, it's the same kind of, again, we, we, we always talk about the four-wheel drive as like a retrofit electric mountain bike. You have a bike in your garage. You're not as fit as you used to be. Your mates get six laps up and down the mountain bike park when you can only do two before you're naked. You put on this small little lightweight motor and now you can do six with your buddies that are a lot fitter than you. So it's an e-bike for foiling. Whoa. Basically, yeah. That's not and bad. The analogy, yeah, the expansion of that analogy is then we're not an e-foil. We don't mm. we don't want to be an e-foil where you burn around a flat water for half an hour, an hour and go explore places and all that kind of stuff. That's a motorbike in the mountain bike analogy. Mm -hmm. If you're not as fit as your buddies anymore and you want to do six laps up and around the mountain bike park where you can only do two, you don't go and buy a big, heavy, petrol-powered dirt bike to go and ride with your mountain bike mates. If you've got mates that ride dirt bikes as well, they're an awesome, fun toy, much the same as an e-foil is an awesome, fun toy or the use case of e-foil. Flat water burn around for an hour, go exploring up the river, um, all that kind of stuff or across the lake or, or whatever. You can do a little bit of surfing with them, but they're big and bulky and heavy. That's the main uh, 
reason, I guess, why four drivers, the four wheel drive exists is Paul wanted help to get into a surf because of an injury and he wanted to get more waves in his, he's also got two kids and a business and blah, 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 wants to get more time doing the fun bit, which is actually surfing and not swearing at his board and slapping the water going, I was that close, I was that close. I come into this picture, I guess, like Dom sort of alluded to. Um, so Paul and I were both in the very early days of commercial uh, drone operations with um, inspection drones and mapping, surveying, all that kind of stuff. Um, I actually know Paul from, I grew up in Sydney, Paul grew up in Adelaide. I know Paul from model airplanes, so remote control, uh, yeah, fixed wing airplanes, helicopters, RC jets, RC cars, boats, you name it, where those weird nerdy kids sitting in the shed tinkering around with things, blowing stuff up. And you should see his shed. Ridiculous <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be fun, actually. So that's how I knew Paul, so the RC plane sort of stuff. And then I'm very outdoorsy. I'm, I, live, I live in Australia. Surf is basically, whether you're into surfing or not, it's it's part of our part of our culture, I guess, especially if you're in that outdoor scene. So I started working for Paul in that drone business. He was playing with electric surfboards. That's pretty cool. Gave those a go. Electric foiling started coming around. Let's build some electric foils because that looks pretty cool. Again, an RC plane and a foil, they're kind of the same thing. They're just ones in the air, mm-hmm. ones in the water, one you stand on it. Um, so it's a pretty cool amalgamation of all of these different passions and interests and skill sets between Paul and I that have all kind of boiled down. You put them all in the pot, you kind of end up with four drive, um, as, as, as a brand that we can take to the world and, and offer it as a services. Bit of business history. There's the, uh, sports passion, the outdoor passion, the electronics passion from RC, which rolled into drones, which rolled into putting them in salt water, which is not fun. <laughs> I was going to ask about that. Yeah. I was going to ask yeah, about corruption so, and stuff. Exactly. It's, it's hectic, but all of those passions and skill sets and things from, I guess, Paul and I are now our whole team, people like Dom as well, add huge amounts of value to the, to the brand. Um, it's the, that's the super compressed version, I guess, or, uh, you know, I could ramble on about the history of all this stuff for, for ages, but the, the current day and the future is pretty cool as well. So that's, yeah, no, thanks, that's thanks for sharing that. The background story. And it started very, very humble, both Paul and myself, a couple of guys, Adelaide's on a big foiling scene. Um, and I think now we just about employ everyone who flies in South Australia. <laughs> so the team has awesome. grown significantly. It's about two and a half years old now, something like that, since we've actually started publicly selling these things and it's been a, and it's been up and supporting it and all that. Um, but again, a lot of people say, when did foil drive, when was it born? When did you have the idea? And it's like, well, it's hard to put your finger on it because I mean, the concept of small lightweight foil kind of started small lightweight motor for a foil started the first time we took an e-foil into the surf. Like, this is, this is not it. Uh, and I mean, if you want to put a date on that, it might be five years, six years, something okay. like that. And again, that's, you keep, keep going back. When was the electric thing in the surf? Well, then that goes back further. That's 15 years. Like it's, it's been a natural progression of technology, understanding, capability, the right people, the right place, the right time. And this is the melting pot of where we are. And, 
I think. Good timing. Paul and my, yeah. And between Paul and myself, we're always on the leading edge of whatever we're doing. Um, we don't want to play with the stuff that's uh, been around for a while and everyone knows how to do it. Um, we're always, especially Paul, he's, he's the genius behind all of this. He's the designer, the creator, the CAD draftsman the manufacturer we do everything in-house um uh in terms of r&d development testing blowing up thousands of dollars of electronics in the process to get (laughs) to the point that we have something that is you know worthwhile and safe to put on the market that's it's it's all done in-house and um paul's a genius there's no way of putting it it's it's funny you you can uh you can have a conversation with him and then one of us will say, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this? And he'll just sort of go, go this. Into, into his mind and, and become quiet for a little while. And, and then he'll, he'll literally have figured out a solution to it within minutes. Um, it's quite crazy how his, hmm. his mind can, uh, can make jumps. Um, but yeah, I think one of the, the, the main strengths of full drive is that it was conceived by uh, Aussies, a couple of real world, you know, people who were passionate about, you know, um, just trying to make a product that works and is useful. Mm. And that has translated into a full on Aussie made product. So quality control is absolutely 100% there. The, um, the service, because these are guys who, guys and gals in the mm. team who are very passionate about bringing a product to market that works because we're all aware of how frustrating it can be when you get a product, no matter whether it's low or especially high-end tech product, and it doesn't perform as mm. as expected or as promised. Um, but this really does. And the reason why I got involved with Full Drive was because A, their product was amazing, but B, they are a genuine team mm. who care about the product, they care about their customers, and they genuinely want everybody to have the best possible experience in foiling on the water and uh, yeah and it's just great to be part of that whole uh, whole experience oh nice yeah that's the impression i got ben when i met you you guys were you guys were chill friendly and then you were more than happy to spend a bit of time and just talk things through so that's important because yeah. yeah. not every brand is like that so it's it's pretty cool mm-hmm. that you guys are and so what rendi- or what version of foil drive are you on now like obviously it's probably changed quite a bit since the first inception of the idea yeah i mean it's again long as a piece of string yeah i was full some of these parts are on rendition 50 yeah fair enough fair whatever enough. else as, as as a product lineup like out in the world on the website um i guess we we started with the assist um and again i, I think sort of this backs onto what um, dom was saying earlier too like we kind of just we do and we say what it actually does. There's no like smoke and mirrors and there's no marketing hype of, oh, you know, up to three hours runtime. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, I can go out and surf for three hours, but that's not realistic. Like it's, anyway, um, we started with the assist. It does what it says on the tin. It, it, it assists. It helps you assist. We had that product for... Um, 12, mar- 12 months roughly on the market, something like that. And we started getting a lot of people, a lot more, you know, people using it and using it in different ways. Again, we said that we never thought people would want to use a winging. We never thought people would want to use downwinding was like not a thing really back then. Oh, um, yeah, there was hardcore guys doing it. 
uh, the bit of product come across from the, the sup, um, sup 14 footers and unlimited and that sort of race, ocean racing type stuff that we're trying to do it on foils, but it was not a mainstream achievable thing for most people. Um, and again, this is did exactly what it said it did. It assisted you to get on foil, which is the main purpose. But we started getting more people, especially heavier guys and girls that needed a bit more grunt or the whole performance foiling was starting to really take up where smaller wings, smaller boards. Um, I think foil drive really oh, yeah. opened up a whole new realm of a, a new type of foiling too, where if you were sup surfing and then this is your white water breaking here and there's a lump, you've got all the surfers competing for this. You've got the suppers kind of sitting in the middle and then you've got the foilers that can hang out on the side, but you've still got to get on foil. Now with foil drive, there's white water, clean lump. Foil drives like out here and way back there. So we started getting a lot more people using it in its own way, in its own niche. And then going, if I had a little bit more power, then I can stay even further away from all those people. With the assist, it is still assisting me. I still need a wave. I'm a heavier guy. I want to ride a smaller wing and smaller board that needs more power to help me get up. But I'm so used to being back here now not in all this mess of people. I want to stay out there, but I want to drop down board and I just can't do it. Like, can you give me a little bit more power or can you uh-huh, give me okay. a little bit more runtime? So that's where the evolution of the plus sort of came in. There's a bunch of hardware changes, a bunch of uh, cooling things, um, specs on cables and wires, battery voltages, all that sort of technical stuff that allowed to keep a very similar form factor, actually the exact same form factor but have more power, more runtime, uh, better heat dissipation, better current delivery, and less like sag over the, the runtime as well. So that was um, the evolution of the plus, which came out, uh, yeah, 18 months ago, something like that. Okay. And the other side of that was, again, more people using it in different ways. We were saying do not flat water foil and run around foil driving on flat water in an e-foil fashion. Uh, with the assist, that's not what it's designed for. It literally says assist in the name. Don't use the motor for the only source of power. But of course, people want to do that. People will anyways. Yeah, yeah. you either keep slapping on the wrist going, no, 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 no. Or you accommodate to what the people want. And that's, I think, what we're really about is accommodate to what the people want. So again, that was where the cooling came in. And it was like, again, it's not an e-foil. This is not a big, heavy motorbike. <laughs> it's not an e-foil. But with the correct wing selection for a shorter period of time, there is some limitations, but you can motor around a flat water, which we call foil driving. Um, because again, it's not e-foiling, it's foil driving. It's a lightweight, small, nimble, short period. It's to help you practice turns, to help you learn to foil easier, um, everything, get wingtips out of the water, try different foils, um, whatever it may be. So. That's the really long way of answering your question that effectively are on version two. But it's okay. kind of fair enough. Evolution. It's evolution. Things things are rolling forward. It's very early days for sure. Okay. So obviously this is tested in salt water. So you've you've battled through that corrosion. You've how how did that go about? Um yeah, I mean, well this well before foil drive was foil drive. I don't even want to think about the amount of dollars of stuff <laughs> that we just have a big green pile of mess in the corner. Um, mm. 
things have evolved a long way from that, which we've, we've learned a lot about. And I think it, it does come back to we had very good electronics knowledge from RC days and that, that background of a hobby level of stuff, which then developed into proper, like freshly declassified military drone level, like proper, we're, we're flying around half a million dollar drones, $250,000 drones all day, every day before four drive came about right. came into existence. So it's not just hobby level stuff that we've kind of just mashed in a box and make work. There is a very high level electronics and, uh, that industrial grade, military grade type electronics background and knowledge that's come from the drone experience we had too. And again, you mash all of that together and you end up with foil drive. But in that drone work that we did as well, like drones are a really good tool for a lot of things, but a lot of the times they were the wrong tool as well. We did build and produce for our own use for jobs or a service provider, we, we did the work. Um, we produce a heap of ROVs and all that kind of stuff too, which again, it's all in salt water. ROV being, you know, an RC boat, for want of a better mm. word, um, which had cameras and lights and LiDAR laser scanners and you name it, whatever was on there. Sometimes they were the better tool than a drone anyway. So uh, there was already that, again, industrial waterproofing of electronics but really high end. And a lot of the time working for oil and gas companies and people like that, you can't get it wrong. You can't just go poof and, and just melt down. Oh, sorry guys, we'll be back in a few weeks and we'll build another one. Like that's just not an option. So a lot of that background and history has translated into four wheel drive where Johnny gets his four wheel drive in the mail, bolts to his downwind board and then starts paddling offshore. It's got to work. <laughs> yeah, he's relying on that um you know it keeps us up at night a little bit sometimes that some people might rely on our gear too much it's still electronics but again you're not going to go on a wingding you're not going to go and take off 15 k's offshore without a support vessel um Mm-mm. you pop your wing we hope not at least stuck you have an electronics problem you're stuck there's still got to be common sense and personal responsibility every time you get in the water that's um, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All these guys sending it from continent to continent on foil these days. Yeah, whatever. Uh, it's fine. I'll charge my battery yeah, a little solar panel on the back. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty crazy talking to all the guys that did the big downwind race in uh, the M2O and stuff over in, in Maui recently. Oh, like yeah. the wing, having the wing, wing as part of that race, they, there's like two boats in a whole group of islands that could keep up with wingers that were absolutely flying across the channel. And it's like, how are you supposed to have a support boat when the wingers can go faster than the boats? Like yeah. it's a, it's a pretty crazy time in our sport that it's, it's pushing so far. And then now, yeah, some of these events having to rethink, like we'd love to have you part of it because it's the cool new thing, but geez, how do we do this safely? Like, yeah, there's a yeah. lot of logistics and a lot of changes. Can we actually see one close to, to camera and, and how sure. it fits together? And I'd love to see how the blades pop out and everything. Yeah, definitely. So, okay. Simply. Uh, how's this thing? Lines yeah. So, right. we have effectively what we call the electronics box, a fully waterproof enclosure that has all the electronics in one end and the battery goes in the other end. The batteries, we have two options. One is the standard battery here. This is all going to be backwards in the, sorry. Oh, there we go. Yeah, that's perfect. 
Um, that's going to be Texas, we're going to be backwards. But this is uh, 1.6 kilos. I am Australian, so I don't work in pounds. You guys have Google, you can work it out. Yeah, 1.6 kilos. It's pretty lightweight, um, okay. pretty small, and obviously you can have multiple of these and just drop them in and out as, you know, if you want to have a longer session and things like that. That is what we call a standard battery that's really good for, um, you can do that sort of flat water foil driving, motoring around on flat water to, to learn and practice and, you know, fine tune your skills. And for surfing, uh, for downwind, it's just the longer runtime. And then we do have a small battery, which mm. is exactly one third the capacity of this battery. And we do have a joiner lead that you can join these together. The really cool thing about this is you can jump on a plane and fly to Maui. I traveled to America with a couple of these and you can travel around with that. You can travel around with a couple of these, put two of them together and make a medium battery if you like, and you can get two batteries at the same time in your box. So when you get to Maui on your surf holiday, you can surf for two thirds the time you can on this, but you can actually travel with this. That's Really oh, okay. Um, nice. And then the other thing, which like I guess Dom said earlier about winging, is you don't need much runtime winging. You just want to get out to the wind line and then get up on foil and then wing around. You might come down once or twice, get up very quickly and motor around. For winging, that battery, which is half a kilo, super light, is oh, whoa, okay. plenty of runtime for winging if you use it intelligently. Again, if people just hold the throttle, full throttle, and just, you know, use it all up, it's like sprinting down the street. You're not going to sprint for very long before you're out of puff. Exactly the same with that. So, and that keeps everything really, really light. So, uh, it's, it's like anything in foiling, um, good technique comes with, um, with skills. So, you build up your experience and to begin with, everybody will benefit from, from using the, the standard or big battery um, because of the extra runtime. But as you build up your, your skill, um, you become so much more efficient, and then that's when you can start going down to the small. Um, and even that little weight saving, it's, it's not huge, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to do so. Um, so, you know, even this little battery here, uh, I can do downwind runs um, on my prone board, um, which I never thought I'd be able to do. I, I was, you know, all about wanting four drive to help me learn to to do sup downwinding and prone foiling. Mm. And then the performance, once I got used to the technique, just blew me away. So I'm now using prone boards for everything. I just and I've got to the stage where I can now prone foil. And suck down wind without full drive, but why would I? I'm, I'm always actually now always going to choose full drive to help me do it because I can do so much more. For winging, even on a small battery, light winds we've covered, yeah, I can get up and fall in, in, you know, five to eight knots. And with the modern super high aspect foils, you, you, you can still have a fun time. And, and you know, there, there was a day when the foils, it'd be a bit boring just to, to get up in six to eight knots. But uh, yeah. now the, the foils that you've got actually have good performance in, in those light winds. But it, it doesn't end there because in high winds, what I figured out recently, or fairly recently, I used to have the whole art series of foils. I, I now have the art pro series, but 
My point is that my go-to for anything 14 knots and above, I'd be using the Arts 899. And although I could use the 799, I would rarely choose it because I know how hard I find it to get up on foil with the 799. And if the wind drops just a little bit, I cannot get up on foil. If, you know, if something happens, I'm too exhausted, I cannot get up on foil if it's marginal conditions. So, enter foil drive. If I'm even beginning to struggle to get up on foil, quick burst of power, and that helps me. I, I would always use it as an assist. I'm pumping using the right technique, but the little bit of extra thrust from, from foil drive gets me up onto foil, and I can use that 799 now without any risk of not being able to get up on foil or completely hammering my body because I'm over 50 now. And, and to be honest, after a hard three-hour session without foil drive, I, I feel those aches for the next few days, but I can use full drive and have a long, hard session, and I, I can be fresh as a daisy the next day. It so um, blows me out that he's over 50. Like, did I you know, see he looks 40, man. The, <laughs> out the front of the AWSI said he just pop around for two days straight like a jackrabbit. I'm like, dude, chill. It's all dude, what's your secret? <laughs> um, oh, is they bathing in ass's milk? Is that the one? I don't know. No, lucky in jeans. Yeah, well, okay. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> we, should, we should finish answering the question though. So sure, yeah, I'd love to see the rest of it. Yeah, okay. electronics box, this gets mounted on your board. We've got a various different ways of mounting it. There is some like, we use a dual lock, it's a 3M product. Think of it like a uh, very rigid, very strong Velcro, if you like. It's a, it's a hook and loop type system, but a hard plastic. Um, it's awesome stuff. It's the sub board you're using has enough space on the deck you can just stick it down with that and you're sweet otherwise we've got like mounting plates that you can use foot strap insert holes to mount the plate to the board and then still use the jewel lock the jewel lock is very important because if you you don't want to just say you hard mounted this equipment which does have weight to it to a board a board is only a few layers of fiberglass or glass you don't want to delaminate the board if this does get hit or a leg rope gets wrapped around it or in a crash, you fall on it or something like that. So you do want that pressure and you want that to be released and you want this to come come apart. Um, there's definitely been some board shapers and some individual people that have like built custom boards to sink the box down inside the board and all that kind of stuff. That's okay. great. Again, the concept of foil drive is to be retrofit. Use whatever gear you've got. We've got a whole rack of boards just out of shot over here to the left that is completely stock standard off the shelf factory boards. There's a couple of custom ones that we've had different shapes made, different volumes and stuff, but they're all completely custom. Whatever board you've got in your shed will work to mm. some degree. If you, a little bit of ingenuity of how you get might mount it and where you might mount it. But the idea is you've already got gear. You just want to enhance it and maybe when it's 30 knots and nuke and you don't want to use your foil drive, sure, just pull it off. And there's your perfectly normal wing foil board. But then if you want to teach wife or kids or family or whatever to foil, you can put it all on and get them out in flat water and they can learn to foil or downwinding looks pretty cool. Maybe I'll get into that. I'll just use my wing board to see if I like it. Um, that's the reason why we've kept everything to kind of a one size fits all. You guys, here's the kit make up how you want to do it. We've got some really good resources and references and our Facebook owners group that has 
people posting daily. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's gonna grow up. And what the man it on, I put it on a Macca's tray or something. I don't know, whatever. Like that's the point is that this is we do the motor bit really good and you put on whatever the hell you want to put it on. We have no brand affiliation or recognition or you have to use that, you have to use that. Um that's the idea. It's, it's, it's crazy how I used to do a lot of uh, sort of equipment reviews when I was in Amman, um, just testing different boards, different foils, different wings, all sorts of things. And I, I could use foil drive with all of them, mm-hmm. even, which again, just blew me away. I, <laughs> I used the Axis tray, which is like roughly 10 liters. And I put foil drive on and I had the, uh, the PNG 1300. So it was a big foil, lots of lift. And I got up on foil so easy. And what I realized that it wasn't actually the board that, you know, once you have a big foil like that, that I was purposefully using for flat water pumping, the board is irrelevant. It's just a platform for you to get up on foil. You've got the thrust from foil drive. You've got the lift from the big foil. You can use one of those tiny little pump boards, get up on foil, and then you're pumping around. Um, but yeah, it didn't matter what brand, whether I was using, you know, Takuma, Nash, Axis, um, F1, all the others that I've used in the past, and Full Drive just let me use every single brand without any issues. There's always a way to manage it on. We are really bad at answering questions. Damn, fellas. <laughs> That's <laughs> all right. No, I appreciate it, though. Where can I buy mine now? <laughs> we, get so, we get so carried away talking about how to use it. Man, that's all right. Like, I love it. I love we get it. asked these questions of, like, how do you put it all on? What are the technicalities? And then we just automatically blurt on into how much fun it is actually out the water, which I think is 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 evidence and proper, like, it's exactly what we've been saying the whole time. We're all about being out in the water and we want you guys to be out in the water as much as possible. Like all the technicalities and how it all works and all that sort of stuff's important. We always default to just, oh, but it's so much fun when it's all about like surfing in or carving and then I'm using the smaller foil and then it's like, oh wait, we're meant to be talking about the motor. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was no, thinking like, what was it? I think it was before I heard of you guys, like a few months ago, I was like, man, this thing would be awesome. I take it out in case the wind drops that I don't have to paddle halfway back. I can just sit there and motor myself back in. It was like, mm-hmm. it'd be great for windsurfing, but for foiling, this would be awesome because a few times yeah. like I lost a wing or something happened and it was like, oh boy, which is fine. Like go. whatever, you get yourself in shape. But, uh, yeah. and then I saw you guys, I was like, ah, all right, this already does exist. Exactly, exactly. And again, that comes back to you know, like our original assist, it still is a perfectly good functioning product that we still support and sell. We don't sell as many of them as the Plus because the Plus is always, you know, a little bit more power, a bit more runtime, more versatile. But there's a lot of people that even recently have bought the original assist being a bit cheaper. They're like, I live in an area where there's a massive big bay and there's a beautiful calm beach to launch from. And I launch there and I lay on my board and flag my wing between my feet and paddle for a kilometer to get outside the heads of the bay where there's wind along the coast, but there's big cliffs or whatever, rocks or whatever. And I lay in my stomach and I paddle for 20 minutes to get to the wind. And then I'm trying to pump up in really variable, you know, pretty poor conditions to get out to the wind line. And then I go have my session. Yeah, this is all good fun. Holy shit, I've got to get back to the bay and then I've got a paddle for another 20 minutes and they're like I am putting it on there just to go from here to there and then I win and then I and then you gotta dodge the great whites and stuff like all those sharks and oz 
And then yeah. the spiders and the snakes in the water too. Man. <laughs> well, that's why you don't jump off the cliff because they're all oh, hanging out the cliff very really well. Yeah, yeah. So you come into the bag. You watch the spiders when you set up on the beach. Yeah. And the snakes. Like, like bags yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, let's yeah. see these blades. <laughs> yeah, so uh, <laughs> the important bit, you've got the electronics bit, and then you've got okay. effectively what we call the motor pod and the motor and the blades and the folding propeller system. So in terms of the motor pod, this is the bit where we have 92 different adapters to suit all the different masts uh, the you know, compatibility range. Uh, as you would have seen at AWSI, and we're just moving to now, we're moving to a universal, this is the outer part of the motor pod that the motor actually engages into, and this is an injection-molded part that is common that comes with every kit, and that is a universal part. That is the, the motor pod, the mount. And then we're moving to just these inner sleeves that go within the motor pod to create the adapted sleeve specific to your mast. Okay, so, so that's got, how that works then. Yeah. You've got okay. lift, you've got axis aluminium, you've got axis power carbon, Armstrong, Armstrong performance. The list now, sure. No, I'm not <laughs> going to list the whole list. Go and look at our website. There's a massive long list that's getting longer every week of all the biggest, best brands, and they're on an as-need, as-required basis. If you don't see your mast on the list, just email us and we'll make it happen. Um, reason why we go down the path of we don't want to make 92 adapters. Let me just put that out there flat out. We do not want to make 90 adapters. We would love to do a one size fits all, but the freaking foiling industry is changing. There, there's no standards like there is, uh, you know, like bolt tracks or whatever. There's no standards or fin boxes or whatever you want to call it. Um, there's no standards for mast. They are progressively getting wider or longer cord to get your, your strength up and they're getting thinner for less drag. And then all the different brands have all sorts of different ideas of what they want to do. Um, and if we did a one size fits all or a like choose the best adapter out of five and kind of just make it work, you lose so many of the aspects that are so important to what foil drive design, why it's designed like that. So very quickly, you've got a rigid, a proper rigid mounting surface of a motor with a spinning propeller that, mm -hmm. you know, um, centrifugal force, you know, once something spinning and then you try and yaw it or rotate it, pumping, turning while something's spinning creates a lot of side load that we want solidly mounted to a mast. Everything in foiling is going stiffer and stiffer and stiffer. This is no different. We just start oh, yeah. at the stiffest possible thing. It's a proper rigid, solid mounting of the motor to your mast, mm. which is 100% what you want. It's it's impossible to do a universal yeah. fitting. All these things are so in different shapes. Yeah. I, I think Paul, in a different podcast or something, he, he put it the best way that I've heard it, yes, in that, um, he's not willing to compromise quality and performance just to make it easier um, in terms of, oh, you've been able to think about one pod, that's, that's mm -hmm. fine. But what happens if you don't have, and every single one of these pods is literally fraction of a millimeter perfect fit, mm -hmm. 
snugly hugging yeah. against every part of the whole mast profile. Mm. As such, there's no water that can get in between the pod and the mast, which would cause cavitation, which would cause turbulence and drag. But also, mm. that's just performance of riding. If you think about the, the quality of the products and the longevity of it, if you're going to have sort of rubber pads yeah. or spaces or whatever that are inevitable if you have a universal pod, then you don't just have to worry about the cavitation and, and the drag. You've also got to worry about vibration. Mm -hmm. And vibration will eventually lead to degradation of the product and longevity then, mm. you know, just goes out the window. So I personally think that it's, it's so worth this, this precision fitting. Um, that might, you know, mean that, okay, we've got to deal with 93 and probably more in the future pods, but it's worth it for that quality and performance. Yeah. And to make it as small as possible too, again, we're talking drag here yeah. when the motor does dip in and out of the water or the motor going through the water. You want as small as possible thing. That's why masts are going thinner, why fuselages are getting as small as possible, wings are getting thinner tails are getting smaller, all that kind of stuff. It's You want as little amount of stuff going through the water. So doing a custom sleeve and a custom pod for every single mask keeps it as small as possible, as sleek as possible, as stiff as possible. And it's also a mast is a wedge, yeah? You're trying to push 26 kilos of thrust against a wedge, you actually need a perfectly fitting uh, adapter to distribute that load all the way along the surface area of the mast, not just on the trailing edge, or not just trying to use like one size fits all feet that are pushing on the sides. So at the moment, we do have different adapters for the different positions on tapered masks because they are proper pain in the arts for us. They really are. The worst oh, is yeah. um, <laughs> the worst is these slingshot masks are quite quite tapered. Um, really wide cord down near the down near the board and the base plate and they get quite thin, especially in the longer lengths. We've got the um I think it's a ninety five and a there's a longer one as well, one oh something or other. Mm. Um are really quite tapered and yeah, exactly exactly right. We do need different adapters. Another reason why we went to, um, so up until literally about a week ago, we were producing the whole pod custom to a certain brand. So that whole piece is all just for the one mast in the one position in this case. And that is another benefit of moving to this uh, outer injection molded part with then just much smaller, easier, um, cheaper adapter pieces inside. Is it for tapered masks like Armstrong where if you want to run it up high in assist position, whatever you want to call that, you know, motor near the board, and then also have the motor down low for flat water floor driving and stuff, we can do a common rear section that fits on the rear half of the mast all the way up and down and then have and include a larger nose cone for up high near the board and a smaller nose cone for um, down lower. Now, the whole piece, does that shrink based on, so the length of your module, does it shrink based on the inner piece or is it always the same length and then the inner piece will just be bigger or shorter? 
Yeah, we do have. So this new design does have a common rear section and then a longer nose cone and a shorter nose cone. And these will come standard with all kits so that everyone gets both. And yeah, like an Armstrong uh, close to the board in this sort of position would have a much larger internal piece and you'd use the larger nose cone. And then to run the pod down near the foil, you would use the smaller nose cone and the smaller included section that um, that slides into this nose cone to use that that lower position. So you will get all three pieces included in your in your system, and then when you get a tapered mask and you ask for the adapters, you might get one common rear, a long nose, and a short nose for the different mounting positions, and then you just choose the right nose cone piece depending on what you need. It's pretty straightforward. Okay. Okay. That makes sense then. Okay. So then, and you yeah. can put it in yeah. two positions on the mast. Are you able to put it in various or just top and bottom? You can move them around. Again, different length masts have different levels of taper and the pod will want to sit naturally in a different place. The tapered masts do are quite tricky, but a lot more brands are moving towards that tapered mast. And again, for really good snug fitment, is always going to be ideal and there is a little bit of play in that in each position on each different mast but it is also possible obviously to um, use some very thin tape or insertion rubber or something like that again something really stiff and really solid and that's where as uh, unorthodox as it does sound something like a duct tape or something like that applied very carefully and um, methodically and flat you can take up a little bit of volume of space mainly around the nose cone where there's not the load. Again, like we talked about before, the motor is pushing onto the back of a wedge of a mast. So you always want the back to be solid and perfect, which generally speaking, the trailing edges of these masts tend to be around the same sort of shape and profile, whereas the, the front of it gets this half of the, the pod is what's taking up most of the space around the rest of the mast, and you can pack out a little bit of excess space for a little bit more adjustment, but it is one of the um, the really tricky things we have to manage with um, tapered masts. It's it is quite hard for sure, but more than doable. If the mast isn't tapered, then you can use the same rear and nose cone and literally just slide mm. it up and down anywhere you like on, on the same mast. Yeah, exactly. And that is one of the, you know the big benefits of an aluminium mast in this case. And that's where we see a lot of people, again, it's a retrofit product that you want to reuse all the same gear that you've already got. And we do find a lot of people using a aluminium mast dedicated for their four-wheel drive setup and then they've got a high-mod mast for their toe foiling or their winging or their pump foiling with their bigger wings because, again, you're not generally using that really big gear with four-wheel drive some of the time because you've got that extra assistance to get up. Okay. Okay. All that makes sense then. So then how does all of that come together? So you got your battery box, is it running with cables and how does the throttle work? Yeah. So there is a cable that runs between the motor and the battery box. So when you position the battery box, wherever it may be on your board, whether it's at the back on the tail on SUP, whether it's slightly further forward on a smaller prone board or, or things like that, you run the cable down. Um, we don't have a huge amount of stuff here within arm's reach to show you all of the little bits and pieces, but there's plenty of videos and stuff like that on our website and YouTube and whatever. Um, 
but there's cable attachments that you can stick down onto your board that are removable if you don't want them um, to, to route that cable from your box down to the motor. And then the controller is a trigger style um, controller, pretty basic and straightforward, wireless connectivity between the controller and the box. And there's a fully proportional throttle trigger on one side, so you get full proportional throttle, oh, nice. 0% to 100% on the main trigger. It's quite comfortable to hold in like a pistol grip style um, controller there. We do have a paddle mount that it's like a holster that slides down into a into a mount and you can put that on your paddle. You can also use that on like the hard handles of a wing or a boom or anything like that. Um, and there's like a little lanyard included so you can just hold it by hand. Um, and then the top trigger is a cruise control function as well. So you can uh, um, triple tap that and get a cruise control feature to help. It's really nice to just line your board and just motor back out or you try to motor out to the wind line or anything like that. Um, this is, I, I really want to say this now because this yeah. is one of the highlights of our trip to AWSI. We were at the hatchery and it was blown and it was really good conditions. Um, and we did. One of the classic runs there, one of the classic downwind runs, is about 800 meters, maybe a kilometer. You go from the main launch at the hatchery and you come in at a certain point, and then you carry a board onto the road, you walk up the kilometer to the launch point, and, and you do it again and again and again. And if you're lucky, there might be a truck coming past that will give you a, a lift back to the, to the start point. But with foil drive, we were literally, we were doing the, the 800 meter run and then lying on our boards, tapping cruise control, and literally just being motored back up to the start point and then turn around and do the run again. Um, but it got to the point where the sun was going down and we were like, right, we can definitely get another one or two uh, runs in if we're quick. So rather than coming down off the board and using cruise control, we were literally, at the end of that 1K run, we just turned around, stayed on foil, you bring the board down so it's just above the, the water. In other words, at that point, the motor is in the water. And we're literally just pulling the trigger around about 80%, well, for him, 60%, for me, 80%, Paul, probably 100%. And we were literally doing that continual motoring back against the winds and against the swell. And you get to the start point, you turn around. And we did, I don't know how many laps we did, probably yeah. about eight Eight laps. David said from that day he did 12, 12 and a half kilometers of foiling on foil the entire time in one and a half batteries. Yeah. And that was, I don't know how many laps it was of that little hatchery run, but it was. I've never had so much fun. Oh, it yeah. was just crazy. And and we we got to the end and turned around and sort of motored back upwind while these guys were coming off the water and started to walk up. And I think we'd done at least two laps by the time they got back to the start point and, uh, and walked their boards back oh, into nice. the water again. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> and again, because there were so many people there and there's so much falling going on, we're like, oh, crap, that's somebody or other in there doing all sorts of crazy stuff. To be able to just line our boards and just motor and just power back up, upwind and just watch the yeah. whole circus happening was um was pretty cool too. I'd rather do that than walk up the on, on the road. But get, yeah. don't, don't let him say, this is Prambles. I'm prone downwinding. I I could not do this without full drive. Mm. And there's people like mm. you know, like Ben said, we're, we're passing people like Oscar Johansson or Kiahi or Ido and 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 
Cain Duarte, and we're passing them as they're downwinding, and or we're, we're actually downwinding sort of next to them. There's no way that somebody like me with my skill level and fitness level could keep up with those guys without foil drive. It literally, it, it, it's, it's like turning turn me into a foiling superhero. It really yeah. is. It's, it's not my drug. I can't, can't go out in the water without it now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Well, yeah, it, it, it was exactly what I was thinking of would have been nice to have. And it was so cool to meet you guys there and then see how all these pieces come together. And then obviously my mind went and said, well, how's it going to work for all these different masks? You got that covered too. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty awesome. So now what brand or sorry, what retail stores, like we can find this in Canada, we can find this in the States. Like how's that retail network going or is it direct to you? Um, It's either or Um, our dealer networkers. And again, we're only a couple of years old. We've been developing this as we go uh, and doing things naturally and not well, not forced and not too quickly. We want to find Fair the enough. people that are like us that are all about making sure you've got the right gear and you're enjoying your time out in the water and have the right backing and support. So the dealers that we do bring on, uh, I'm not going to say few and far between because we've got 60 odd dealers now around the world. It's quite a lot. But you know, we're we're very selective about who we um who we bring on board, and we're not out there on a massive drive. Like AWSI for us was not about we need to find a dealer in every county in America and every you know province of 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 uh, of every place in the world. That that was not the purpose. It was to meet the meet the people and and go to the show. So there's nice. a whole list of our dealers all online uh, on our website. Um, and yeah, it is growing, but it's growing slowly and uh, naturally. Make sure we've got quality over quantity. We don't want, you know, we're not about just getting as many of these things into the world as possible and just selling as many as possible. That's it's not what it's about. We want it to grow and be a really solid built brand with proper backing and support, um, you know, and it'll get bigger and better as we go. Um, that's sort of our philosophy and our take on that one. Um, but yeah, there's quite a few dealers now that makes in, sense. in America and Canada. Okay, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. And um, maybe I'd love to learn a bit more about you, Ben, and then also about yourself to just to find out, like, when did you guys first, obviously you grew up surfing. Uh, were you both native of Australia? Um, I mean, yeah, Paul and I were. Dom's from the UK. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> But yeah, we're yeah we're both both definitely Australian born and bred. Um, comes with its own, <laughs> like we were talking earlier before we started the accent and all that kind of stuff. It uh, plays to our advantage That's sometimes. Cool, but it's been crazy how much of the foiling world and especially in the surf side of things, I think, comes out of Australia and New Zealand for that matter. A lot of winging and wing technology and sail technology, foil gear and all that kind of stuff comes out of New Zealand, which is pretty cool. Um, we're a very small market down here, but we've got some of the best four surfers in the world for sure. And downwinders and yeah, a bunch of really good wingers and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, definitely Australian. Um, and then Dom being the UK, but then lived in Amman for many, many years. So that's from, from the UK, lived in Amman for the last eight years. That's where I sort of started foiling, obviously, about mm-hmm. three or four years ago. And, uh, it has its very unique conditions. Um, predominantly very light winds, but very consistent 
light winds. There, there are completely flat, calm days as well. So I go into to dock starting or ladder starting, jumping off a boat really to, to begin with. Um, and uh, a lot of wake falling. But if you drive down south, there's some really good surf spots as well. Um, last five, six months, I've been living here in Adelaide, just uh, sort of hanging out with full drive guys. Um, and uh, oh, nice. in about a month's time, I'll be moving to Europe to, to start full drive Europe, mm-hmm. literally bringing full drive to, uh, to Europe, um, basing full drive operations there, running them from the Netherlands and just taking it to the whole of Europe. Step by step. <laughs> oh, sweet. So how were both of your first uh, wing foil sessions? And when was your first foil, by the way? Well, this is half the reason I dragged Dom into this podcast, because knowing that you're a wing foil podcast and wing background, I would have 10 wing foil sessions under my belt, if that. Oh, sweet. Still, but, that's all right. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any wind sport background at all. I've never sailed. I've never... Kited. I've had two kiting lessons. I got up on a twin tip and went one direction for a bit and then ate, ate a bunch of water. And I was like, that's pretty common. <laughs> uh, and yep. again, like the flying side of it and the wind side of it, I fly RC airplanes in windy conditions where you sit at the top of a hill and fly a plane off the, the updraft off the top of the hill. So like the whole, the concepts that we're playing with are not new, but the actual doing it, mm-hmm. something that I have not got, a huge amount of experience with, and I'll openly say that. Um, but I will say from, so then I have the voice or opinion of a brand new winger. I have never gone winging without a foil drive because I do not want to walk up the beach hundreds and hundreds of meters oh, yeah, or get enough. blown away. I don't want to go out in 20 knots where I think I'll be able to get up. With it. And we, we don't really have, in here in Adelaide, we have to drive quite a ways to get to nice, flat, calm water that's windy. It's all oceanfront. So all of my lesson or all of my myself trying to learn to wing has all been in the ocean. So if it's really windy so that I can get up and I've got enough power, the ocean state is quite lumpy. So I don't have that perfect groomer, flat lake, windy, wind shadow, rock wall type arrangement anywhere near me. So to go out when it was six knots and no... I'm definitely not going to get up on foil. And I'm a pretty short guy too. I'm not super tall. So the really big wings, I really struggle to keep them out of the water as well. I can't get yeah, that tough. But I can run smaller gear on lighter days and flatter water, use the motor to get out to the wing line and don't burn any energy doing that. Learn to get up on foil. I either use the motor or if there's enough wind, I can just, I'm not overly good at pumping the wing. But I can get up on foil and I can foil in one direction and then I try to go back the other way, switch foot, which I've not done any of because I surf foil and I'm an absolute kook at that. And then I start falling off a bunch of times, get tired, and then I just motor back up wind and I practice the whole wing handling thing, try and turn, usually kook it, crash, try and go the other way, usually calm, motor up wind. Again, I have not had a huge amount of winging experience but for me personally, what I want to do in the water and what I want to get out of my time in the water, I just want to surf and I just want to ride a wave. I can't, I can, I really would like to be able to wing competently, but with the limited amount of time I have on the water, if it's windy, and especially because I have to wing in the surf, I'm just going to end up flagging the wing the whole time and surfing. I can definitely see the appeal to then just grab the wing back, burn back up 
upwind and then downwind back again. But I can do that with the motor anyway. So for me, the appeal to winging is kind of like, yeah, I'd like to learn to do it if I had a bunch of time off, but I don't have a bunch of time off. I barely have any time to go jump in the water. And if I just want to surf, I may as well just motor up onto it and then just downwind and then just turn around and motor back and then downwind. Again, I'd love to learn to wing if I had the time. I can definitely see the appeal. But our personal, you know, the location we're in, my personal desire of what I want in the time in the water, and once I'm downwing, I don't want this big thing flapping around in my head. Um, but there's absolutely no way I would learn to wing without my four-wheel drive. I obviously have access to them, so I have to take the monetary side of it out of it. But the you get to rent them and write your name down in the list and yeah, yeah. so you'll bring it back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the safety factor no. of not having to worry about, am I going to get stuck out there? Is the wing going to drop? Is the wing going to pick up and I'm going to be out of my depth and I just want to get back in and now I've got this thing blowing around and this surf's building up. I'm going to get in back in through the, the whitewater with a board and a foil and a wing and all of that is just and it's the same with downwinding. I don't want to get off the topic of winging, but it's the same with downwinding of so much foiling and so much offshore foiling is mindset. And if you're worried about mm-hmm. things and you're worried about not getting back in or having too small a foil or the wind might drop or the conditions didn't look great, you're never really going to get the most out of the time on the water and you're never really going to perform in the way or advance how you would like because your brain's just stopping you and you're always riding safe. Um, Half the time, especially in the later sessions I did, learning to wing foil, I barely used the motor, really. I was getting much better at going back in the other direction. I was barely using it, but there's no way I was going to take it off. Okay, oh, yeah. and let's say, um, like, how much thrust is that thing producing? So if it's 20 knots or 25 knots, for example, and there's a good amount of current, yeah, and that thing is is a couple, whatever, it's not that far off the bottom of your board, yeah. So are you you're able to because next year when you guys come back down to AWS, I am trying it. This year I didn't get to try it. Yeah. But are you able to kind of fly your foil a little bit? So three, four inches off the water. And then how much can that thing propel me upwind if it is actually pretty strong and there are some lumps there? That's a very um again, how long's a piece of string? I'm a really lightweight guy. Yeah. I'm a pretty small guy. Okay. So my body drag into wind is a lot smaller than say Paul who's six okay. foot something you'd be six foot something six four two thirty all yeah. muscle 52 yeah so yeah. It, it's variable but i mean all three of us it was not i don't know how windy it was that day it was probably 20 knots it was at least 20 knots something like that and we were all e-foiling back e-foil flat water foil driving board this far off the water under okay. motor power foiling back into the wind. But that's without a wing, without, right. without a hand wing, because yeah. if you're holding a hand wing, trying to, to motor continuously upwind with foil drive, the wing itself is creating a lot of, a lot drag. of drag. You yeah. are creating a lot of drag. That's why if it's really, if it's 20 knots plus, I'll be down in a little speed crouch, like yeah. pretending that I'm, mm-hmm. I'm you know, that on, makes a, sense. on a tri-bars bike type thing. Superman on the board is pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that would be. <laughs> oh, yeah. from, from that tuck position, standing up, you suddenly slow down because the wind is, yeah. is catching you direct on. Look at your wing as well. Then, is yeah. a good example of that. It yeah. tucked in. So for winging, I wouldn't say that in 25 knots plus, you would be able to 
to you know motor upwind while you're holding a wing. The, the, the purpose of foil drive then is is still twofold to get you up on foil, yeah. either with a smaller foil um, in strong winds or get you up on foil in super light winds. And the second one is obviously for the safety aspects. I literally have just forgotten how many times I've gone out because again in Amman. We usually get thermals, and as the sun goes down, it goes down super early over there. Um, around about 5, 5.30, the wind will drop. And I, I try, and after work, I try and eke out every last little minute I can on, on foil, on the water. And I'll be going, oh, the wind's dropping, I'll come in. And then it picks up a little bit. So I go, oh, I'll just do one more run. And of course, inevitably, I'm, you know, one over 1K offshore when the wind finally drops. I, I you know, can't get up on foil. But with foil drive, since I had foil drive and started using it for, for winging, I've never had to do the paddle of shame back because I'm either lying on my boards supporting the, the wing above me or, or just on the back of my, my, my feet. Or if it's my big light wind board, which is usually the case, I'll just be kneeling on it, holding the wing, pulling cruise control, and I just get in and, you know, it's, it's literally effortless. And, and the safety factor for yeah. me is, is priceless but just to come quickly back to motoring into the wind in that downwind scenario like at the hatchery sure yeah again it's not the intended purpose of the product <laughs> it can do it and it can do it up to i'm going to randomly put a number of around that sort of 20 knots with most people decent size wing aerotark whatever you can you can put punch back into the wind but again it's not the mm, it can do it, but it's not. It's the an assist. Yeah. It. It's an assist. You run through your battery yes. quicker. You run through your battery super fast. So, in to to expand on the hatchery session, we got in the water relatively late in the afternoon because we'd spent all day running around like headless chooks trying to get all of our stuff that we'd sent from all over the world into Hood River set up and in one place. And yeah, it was, it was, it was hectic. <laughs> Four trips to the hardware store. <laughs> anyway, it was pretty late in the afternoon when we got in the water. We have multiple batteries each, so runtime is not of huge concern. It's not Sunday morning where we've got all day free and it's 9 a.m. and the weather conditions looking awesome all day and we want to ride all day and we have to conserve energy, as in battery energy. The first battery that we did each is when we were lying on the board using low-power cruise control to just lie on the board and motor back into the wind. It takes longer, but you're using... Power consumption to speed is not a linear line. You will use, like, I'm going to use very round numbers, but we do actually have an article and a graph and everything on this. But to go twice as fast, you'll use, like, four times the amount of energy out of your battery. So if you're just motoring along slowly, going twice as fast as you could paddle, you're using a very small amount of energy out of the battery, and the battery will last, I think we did the Calcon in the, in flat water conditions, twice as fast as you can paddle at 35% throttle, this will last like four hours. You're never getting on foil <laughs> at that speed. Oh, wow. But you're just going okay. twice as fast as you could manually paddle. You'll get like four hours of runtime out of it because it's not using okay. much power. It's just ticking. Oh, wow. It's like going for a walk. You could walk all yeah, day for 12 hours. But if I tell you to run or jog for 12 hours, you're stuffed. We've got someone in the Philippines who, who has over a kilometer from the beach to get to the reef break that he, he surfs. Yeah. And he puts it on cruise control and, just and he's, he's used less than 5% of the battery by the time he's got there. Yeah, yeah. 
So in that hatchery example, okay. we're conserving battery power, we're motoring efficiently in displacement mode, lying on the board, taking a longer period of time to travel back upwind, and then we're using full throttle to get up and then we surf. Once it was like, I don't even know what time it was, it was twilight and people were starting to come out of the water and we're just like, this is sick, this is so much fun. That's when we were just <laughs> punching into the wind and using 80 or 90% throttle, which is like you'll burn through the battery really quickly doing that. But we had 20 right. minutes left before it was dark, dark, and we're like, let's go. Let's get as many runs in as we can right here, right now. The battery goes flat in 15 minutes. That is fine. We have 15 minutes of light left. The people standing on the side of the, uh, the hatchery as we were motoring up, they, they were used to watching us down and down and then gently motoring on cruise control, lying on the boards. Still getting, getting twice as many laps yeah. as the guys walking. The, yeah. the last the last sort of half hour, we were literally oh. going upwind as fast as we were going downwind. And they were looking at us going, <laughs> what the hell are you guys doing? How are you back again? <laughs> it's so many questions after. So how are you doing that? What's going on? And even the guy on the e came up to us and said, that looks absolutely sick. Yeah. What are you using? And, but you that's know. where, again, you have to understand this equipment and what it's for. And understand, and it's not hard, it's just a very basic understanding of if you pull full throttle, if you sprint down to the end of the street, you'll be knackered pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. If I tell you to go for a slow, leisurely walk, you can walk all day. If you walk all day and then sprint for two seconds and then walk again and then sprint for two seconds and then walk again, you're stuffed after half a day. You just have mm -hmm. to think of the battery as a finite amount of energy and how do you want to use it you can get on foil and hold full throttle on a small wing and burn around on flat water 19 minutes later you're flat but you can okay. go out and surf and get 50 waves or 60 waves or 70 waves in three hours with the same amount of energy it's just an understanding of how you want to use it and using it to your best of abilities and as efficiently as possible just we're trying to make this stuff. Okay, small that makes and sense. Just don't expect to go out and get you know an hour or two hours of continual motoring around, especially with a small foil and a small board. Um, but I have personally got four hours using just one standard battery on a 110 meter sub board, only using it as an assist to get up on foil, riding waves. Sometimes I'd pump back out. But I only ever used it as an assist to get on foil and on cruise control to help me paddle out back. Yeah. Never using it as a, you know, on foil motoring along. Mm -hmm. Easily get two to three hours, three hours more, mm -hmm. depending on the equipment you're using. Exactly. And, and your weight and, and yeah, everything, <laughs> skill level. A lot of people are pretty true yeah. happy. <laughs> but when, when you're better at something, oh, yeah, like I don't this, doubt. <laughs> yeah, you get more efficient. The more efficient you are, the, the longer it'll last and the smaller yeah. the foil you can use. Um, conversely, I've got, like Ben said, under 20 minutes because all I was doing was continually motoring around, carving around, mm -hmm. literally just ripping it up as much as I could on flat water. Your legs are just a bit dark. Yeah. I, I was on, I think, the, uh, the art, it was either the art triple nine or, or the PNG 850, and, uh, it lasted, I think, roughly 20 minutes. Mm. So 20 minutes to three to four hours. Okay. The choice is yours. Yeah. You, you can do either. But, you know, you've got to understand its limitations. That makes sense. Yeah. And I guess just having that as an assist, like I could just see it 
on some decent sized swell you just pop up you ride for a bit you pop up again like that would be that would be phenomenal but would you if you were doing that then i guess you could i'm just thinking a mass placement where i'd like it is um, there because they're fairly light so will, will it throw does it throw you off when it's much lower to the foil so you can you can kind of ride a bit higher up motor height on the mast is a compromise like everything it's a compromise between so during the takeoff phase it is a compromise between how quickly you stop paddling when you're going for a wave because as soon as the board if the motor's really high to the board as soon as the board leaves the surface of the water and the motor leaves the water, you lose your thrust. And then you've got to get that mm -hmm. technique really right. Hold the board low, get it up to speed. It's really, you're going quite quickly and then you pop up and you're good. Uh, if the motor's okay. lower, then you've got this extra buffer time where the board gets off the surface, you lose that drag of the board and you really start to accelerate and then you climb up and rise up. And the takeoff technique can be much slower when the motor is further away from the board. The, the, the balancing side of that is, and that also then, obviously, if you're trying to motor back out on foil, the closer the motor is to the board, the harder it is because you've got this tiny little window to try and foil on. Especially if it's choppy, it's really difficult. If the motor's lower, you've got this more of a buffer. And every time the board touches down, that's drag, it's trying to pull you off foil and stuff like that so that's motor height in the on that side of the equation then the other side of the equation is then when you're foiling you have more clean when the motor's high you have more clean mast that Fair the motor's enough. never going to touch down again huge amounts of effort goes into making this stuff as small and as hydrodynamic as possible and the motor dipping it out of the water it's nowhere near as bad as a single piece of weed on your wingtip when you get weed on your wing and it just drags you straight down, the motorpod does not feel like that at all, but it is a physical item. Okay. It has to go through the water and it has to cause a little bit of drag, but as much time and effort has gone into making that as minimal as possible and it's in line with the mast and all that kind of stuff, it's not pulling you off on one angle or anything. You can very easily... Well, it's not like kelp. No. You can very easily... Yeah, like kelp whenever you get stuck that... Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Like it back, if it's stuck around whatever, it's it's literally it's like you're going. Two, you, yeah, you're two kilometers an hour. You can you can still plane. Yeah, like you're still up, but you're like you can't even move. Exactly. So and yeah, okay. Your brakes on the motor pod is nothing like that, and you can very easily dip the motor in and out. A lot of people don't even notice when they do that. You hear it because you hear a little bit of splash, but you really don't. Mm. It's not dragging off foil. But in saying that, it is still drag. It is a physical. We've seen a few posts from people lately in forums and on groups and stuff saying it's a zero drag system. And you're like, as in talking about other things in the world. And it's like, it can't be zero drag. There's a physical object <laughs> that's going through the water. It has to be drag. Even your mast, we're talking going from 19 mil to 14 mil. It's all about drag and getting as little as possible. Mm. Um, so that's the other side of the equation is the higher you have it, the more cleanly mast you have, again, coming back to that saying of uh, we love using our foil drives when we're not using them, <laughs> the higher you have Well, it's it, more the intended purpose. It, it's always going to be a compromise. Um, this is around about 20 centimetres from the uh, from the board, if you like. Mm -hmm. um, this is, at the moment, this is my preferred height. I used to have it around about here, around about 25 centimetres below, because when I was learning, 
it just made everything easier. And also in Amman, it's always choppy because you always have this thermal wind which creates, you know, choppy uh, water conditions. So that extra length of mast that the motor was always in the water for made it a lot easier for me when I'm going upwinds and then I turn around and and I'm now trying to keep the water level around about here. So even with the motor position here, yeah, it would go in into the water, dip into the water occasionally, but um, it wasn't the end of the world and, and I kept that motor position for ages. And then when I got here, um, I don't know, just progression. Um, I think Ben pointed out in the video just how often the motor was dipping into the wave as I was surfing. No I had no idea. So I thought, okay, well, let's try it up here. And for the first couple of weeks, it, it made it a little bit more tricky to do the, the motoring part. But it was so much better from the point of view of the foiling part that I, I stuck with it. And now this is my preferred position. Yeah. Ben actually has it here around about 14 centimeters mm -hmm. because he's, you know, he, that, that's his preferred position. Now, when we're talking about drag, when you're doing continual motoring, you would have the, the motor pod down here, very close to the fuselage. Now, we're talking about this drag issue. If you've got a little bit of weed around your, 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 your stab before, your, your mast, whatever, then you really feel that and it slows you down and it's horrible. But although I would always prefer to do, you know, flatwood pumping, surfing, downwinding, I would always, always prefer to have the motor pod out of the water because it's, it's just that pure feeling of foiling. I have had the, the pod down here and use it to get up on foil, use it to cruise around, find a bit of swell, find a tiny little wave, um, even go out to the wind line and do a bit of downwinding with the motor pod always underwater. And you can do all those things. You can pump on flat water. You, you can surf, you can downwind, but there will always be that little bit of extra drag from the motor pod being under the water. And if you're continually changing from the assist position to the continual motoring uh, position, you will notice that drag a lot. But I used it purposefully in this position for about two or three weeks. And halfway through that period of time, I got so used to it that it didn't really bother me anymore. And I found that yeah, I was in some ways it made it easier. That, yeah. But when I went back to the assist position, I was like, yeah. That's where it is. <laughs> yeah, give me a choice, always this position. But I have a, a you know, obviously I find a, a place in my foiling repertoire for for that continual motoring around, whether it's testing foils, whether it's just doing flat water foil driving, just carving around continuously in flat water. Um, you know, so everybody's a compromise. Yeah. You've got to choose the and right position for the conditions. One of the beauties of foil drive, it's use it on whatever board you want. Use it on whatever foil you want. If you want to wing in the morning and downwind in the afternoon or surf in the morning and then go teach your kids, Use it however you want. That's the beauty of it. We don't, it's not pigeonholed into being a one trick pony. Um, and that's what's blown us away in the last two and a half years of just how many things were like, huh, never thought of using it like that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> but that could be fun. Yeah. The, the dock starting guys, like, we're like, why would you want to dock? If you're not going to dock start and pump around, you just e foil, like, just go buy an e foil. But then it's like, well, I want to learn to pump. That's the point of jumping off the dock. I have no way of getting on foil, but I want to learn to pump. And you're like, huh, yeah, well, okay, that makes sense. I get a small lightweight motor, eliminate the scary dock bit, jumping off a dock and getting a wingtip to the face. Eliminate that. True. 
and then just get up on foil and pop up and then learn to pump. If you're, that's what, you know, you might be a surf foiler or a wing foiler or whatever else. And it's like, there's no wind. I still want to get my foiling fixed and I want to work on my skills. I can't pump very good. And I'm sure as hell not jumping off a jetty, go and motor up onto foil and then just pump and do it on your wing board. So everything feels the same. I think a lot of people chop mm-hmm. and change gear a little bit too frequently too. And then I really hone into Maybe that's just us because we have so much gear supplied to us and, uh, you know, available for testing that, you know, I barely ever ride the same wing twice. But a lot of the time it's like I need to stick to the same board and i got to get my head around this board and i got to get my head around this type of wing and I can learn. And even if I can't go surfing because that's what I really want to do, I can still learn to get my head around my board, my foil, this tail. I really want to try shimming. Blah, blah, you can do all that and still be as close as possible as when you just go out winging your gear, get your gear dialed in in any condition. So it's been pretty cool. It's it's definitely exceeded our expectation of where we thought it would go and what people would use it for and all that kind of stuff. And it's some um, exciting times, that's for sure. Well, yeah. Did you ever think that your company or that you would be doing this like three, four, five, whatever years ago, do you ever think that you would actually be contributing to so much happiness? Uh, no, no, I didn't. Um, and I, I think I'm glad you brought that sort of side of it up too because, you know, we're talking about electronics before and burning through stuff and shipping batches around the world. If anyone ever wants to get into shipping batteries around the world, just don't. Just save <laughs> yeah, yourself the heartache. Just don't. It's a nightmare. I was the and first person they ever had to ship a, a, oh. a unit to. And at the time I was in the market. his name a few times. <laughs> but I had to learn the most difficult places to ship lithium-ion batteries to. As much as there's all these difficulties and trials and tribulations and all that kind of stuff, you open your emails and you see a guy with a blown-out shoulder who's surfed all his life and his water days were over. And then he saved his pennies, got a foil drive, got into foiling now foils twice a day because he's retired and mm-hmm. he's like my water sports career and my who I am as a person has been time extended. Thank you. Or even at the side, people coming up to us and saying that kind of stuff. It's like that's what's really cool. It's, it's humbling. It's it really, really is because, really cool. yeah, there, there have been so many stories like that. And Paul and Ben, obviously, they're the – co-founders of mm. of foil drive and, and me I sometimes I feel like I'm I, I, I don't know how I managed to, to you know get a lift along for the ride but uh, yeah it's uh, it's crazy every time somebody comes up and, and tells you their story you just think oh, I'm so lucky to be a part of mm. this this crazy ride because it's, uh, yeah. it's it's truly amazing and again there's so many just- well, yeah, yeah. Busy working people that don't have a huge amount of time. It's their, their leisure time, their, their mental release and physical release and all that kind of stuff. And they just want to get the most out of that time. Um, it's been really, really cool. But I mean, I think we've been far too fixated on like <laughs> myself and Paul. Like we just, we just make this stuff and get it out there. The community we've built around it, the people we've met along the way. Uh, the shops, the dealers, and now our team that's grown to like 18 odd people, somewhere like that. Like it's, that has been, it's, it's a huge team effort. And a lot of this stuff, like these pods and all that kind of stuff, 
these little small improvements into the way that we do things, like it's not just click your fingers and they're done overnight. The idea is the first prototype is done overnight. We could have had a SysPlus's made in a few weeks that I could have given to Dom in Adelaide and helped him keep it going and keep it fresh. But to make it as robust and put it in a shoebox and send it to the other side of the world um, and it will work and be a, a, a good quality thing that will last a long time and you'll get a lot of enjoyment out of it is really, really hard and has taken a proper team effort. And, I mean, yeah, our team is is growing uh, sustainably and naturally. We're not, again, just hiring a bunch of people so we can sell more stuff. We're doing it naturally and letting it build. But it has gotten to that point of, yeah, 18 on people and we've got a full, you know, obviously support staff, a fulfillment staff. Again, we manufacture a lot of this stuff ourselves. Um, there's a full manufacturing team. There's a full R&D team. There's testing guys, sales guys. It's like... It's it's really cool, and you know we have to we have to thank those guys too because this doesn't exist just from Paul and I having a cool idea and a background in <laughs> electronics. And don't be fooled oh, by no. the appearance yeah. of the box because a lot of time and effort has gone into making this system perform not just well, but it is incredibly robust. Mm. And uh, yeah, the performance you can get from this system has literally changed my life um many many times over <laughs> and uh yeah we've we've okay so to begin with their concept was i suppose for you know big floaty supports that sort of thing just getting you up onto foil no motoring around and now it doesn't just help beginners and people who are struggling with either injuries or fitness or, or technique or whatever we have got some of the top riders in the foiling world who are using foil drive um, for whatever a variety of different reasons. And they are ripping wow. and they are so stoked to be, you know, a part of the whole thing as well. And, and, you know, so it literally is, in my opinion, it's not only the most versatile bit of kit available, because it can help with every single foiling discipline, but there is a use for Anybody and everybody, regardless of what situation you're in. Now, look up, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that it's not for everybody. I have the deepest amount of respect for those people who want and like that, that sort of feeling of achievement from conquering the most difficult thing in foiling at the moment, paddling up using your own skill and technique, paddling up with a suck downwind board and doing a downwinder without any help from mechanical mm. um, yeah. means. Serious amounts of respect to yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I have actually paddled up on a, uh, on a big old eight-foot Barracuda style board on flat water, and my God, it nearly killed me. And yeah, I could... <laughs> I, I, I felt more like 60. It was crazy difficult. And, and I, you know, with training and everything else, I could probably do it. But then, you know, how, how much... Time and energy do you want to put into yeah. that? Yeah, I would rather have time on the water. I would rather not feel like I've gone 10 rounds with Mike Tyson the next day. I, w- I would rather guarantee that if even if I've got one hour or even half an hour to spare, I will be able to spend 99% of that time on foil having fun. Mm. Whereas if, I, if I've got to do it the, you know, the, the, the hard natural. way, yeah, then I can't guarantee that I will get up on foil every time. I can't guarantee that, uh, you know, I'm going to make best use of 
yeah, if the conditions change and I rock up at the beach and it's not what I was expecting, I can still have a good time regardless of conditions. So no, no brain. Okay. Okay. So like when you get that thing out, obviously you're going to hear it spin, right? So you just let go of the trigger. Yep. That's, that's yeah. as easy as it gets. And then obviously when you dip back down, so if you're doing a downwinder, for example, and you and you just pop off, so you're just going to zip on, zip off, zip on, zip off, and that's all you need. You can zip on for a second, get back foiling, and then turn it off again. Yeah. I mean, again, we're trying to just assist you get onto foil. The, the main goal that's is what I mean, yeah. you, in reality, on a good downwind run, you should motor out a little bit to get to the wind, get up once, and then foil drive's done. You might okay. use it a little bit to get back in. That, that's obviously the goal. But again, not everyone is at that level yet where they can read the waves perfectly, read the bumps perfectly. Same with winging too. In reality, if there's enough wind to stay on foil and you get all of your tacks and jibes right and all your everything you do on foil, you should really only use the foil drive just to get out, get up, and come back in. But then there's reality. <laughs> and... I mean, my first foil downwinder, 50, 60 starts, 50, 60 yeah, grab the foil. Oh, God, I'm falling off foil. I don't know. I didn't recognize that, you know, I'm not riding a pump or I'm sitting high and dry in between or whatever else. And then, yeah, you can just grab a bunch of throttle and get back on foil. Much the same as guys downwind winging is they mm. surf, they surf, they surf. Oh, I've, I've stuffed it. My legs are getting tired. Grab a bunch of wing. Um, we work a lot with James Casey. I was going to say arguably the best downwinder, but just <laughs> categorically the the greatest downwinder at the, you know at the moment. Uh, we work a lot with him, and one of the best things he taught me about learning to downwind properly is whether it's a wing or a foil drive. If you feel yourself coming off foil, if you want to actually learn, don't grab the wing or don't grab the throttle. Let yourself come off foil restart and go again because then you learn and you start to recognize why did I come off foil whereas if you just constantly grab the wing and power back up again and then pull back onto the next section your brain moves on and you're doing the next thing and you never really learn why you stuffed up or why you didn't make it um again do as you please if you have half an hour until dark and you just got to get there yeah grab a bunch of throttle and get onto the next wave and do it and if you're having an absolute mm -hmm. blast Cheating, so be it. Who, you're yeah. having fun. Yeah, this, this gets through me all the time. Oh, you're cheating. Who, who am I cheating? Am I cheating yeah. you? Am I am I cheating myself? How am I? Okay, I'm cheating myself by having a really cool time. Whoever gets oh, out, of it's supposed to be fun. Whoever gets yeah. out of the water with the biggest smile and the best headspace afterwards, they win. Like, I don't care how you do it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, hey guys, that's awesome. Did you want to cover anything else? Um, we've talked about a lot of stuff. It's been pretty fun. I know it's been all over the shop, but I think um, about the only other, it's not really a closing thought. I'm sure we'll get sidetracked into a lot of things, but I think it's important too. <laughs> that's okay. It's important too, is that the system we've made very modular, it, it's very robust, but accidents happen and things happen. And again, it's electronics in a, very harsh environment and it's a spinning motor in a very harsh environment anyone who owns a boat or a jet ski or a house near the water or anything it needs maintenance and it needs looking after and that is something that i guess we took a very unorthodox approach of saying well most things of this kind of nature 
you have X amount of time and then you've got to service it on this time interval and you have to send it back to a service technician or a service agent or a or the manufacturer or whatever, whether it's your jet ski or your outboard motor or whatever, you've always got to get somebody else to do the work unless you're super knowledgeable. We kind of went the other way because we knew being a small, lightweight, retrofit package like this that's going to get used in a lot of different ways, that we knew there would be people in weird, wacky places in the world where it's difficult to send things back. The amount of these things running around yeah, that makes sense. yachts or boats and sitting on islands in the middle of the Pacific somewhere or out in Canada on some random private lake or whatever, we didn't want to have that forced, you have to send it back to Australia to get it serviced or fixed and you don't have to send it back to your dealer that you bought it back that's four hours away or whatever. So we made the system very user-friendly to service yourself as well, even to the point where our motor design actually comes apart and like hmm. at all times, every single session, you can just pull the motor apart, wash it all out, clean it all out, inspect the bearings, inspect the paint protection. Again, you can take the cover off your outboard or the seat off your Cedo jet ski. You can take it off and you can wash it all out and you can maintain it and go, oh, there's an oil leak or, oh, I've got water in my hull or there's paint coming off the leg of my outboard. And then we have instructions and a lot of information on our website and via our dealers on how to do that work yourself. If you want to sand back the leg of your outboard and give it a touch-up spray paint to protect it, here's some tips and some recommended products to do that. If you're not comfortable doing that, sure, go back and see your dealer. They're all you know, much more versed in doing all this kind of stuff. But having all of the parts and pieces available we fully get and understand that not everyone is nerdy little geeks sitting in their <laughs> workshop like Paul and I are and have innate knowledge of this kind yeah. of stuff and just are very hands-on and, you know, will tinker and play with stuff. We understand that not everyone is like that and they just want, and there's people everywhere in between where they just go, I don't want to touch it, you fix it, and I'll just pay you to do it. Or, no, no, like, tell me how to do it. I can do that. That's easy. I've got a soldering iron and, Everywhere in between. So I think we're pretty unusual in that sense, especially in this electronic space that we try to accommodate to various different people's willingness or skill sets or uh, um, understanding of electronics. Yeah, because it is, it is a large investment. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, so you can either fix it yourself, you got tutorials, you got all that stuff online, and obviously yeah. they can reach out and ask questions as well if it's something yeah. that's not there. Exactly. But also okay. by design, Beautiful. the parts are modular and can be replaced easily, and all the parts are available. Okay. <laughs> We're not going to force you into buying a whole new thing if some guy didn't tie his board down to his roof properly. Well, actually, he didn't tie it to his roof at all. And his whole board and foil and foil drive flew off the roof, Banged oh, up his board, no. damaged his, his um, mask and all that. And like the box got not not torn in half, but it was like it, it hit the road and then a car just about hit the whole thing. And it like oh, all the guy. And stuff. It's like it's not just a, oh, God, back to the foreground website, swipe the card, start again. We fixed him up with a – and, I mean, it's the same in the surf too. There's some guys in Tahiti that have – certified death wishes and send themselves into the most ridiculous ways 
And again, they get caught on the inside. They tear the foil out of their board. They snap the wing in half. Everything floats to the bottom of the ocean and sits there for three days, including a foil drive, tumbling around on a reef for three days in Tahiti while a storm passes. They go scuba diving for it a week later. They find boards and foils and motors and the box. And they send us back the box. We put a new lid on it. We put it because it was all scratched up. We put a new battery in it and it did tear the cable out of the motor and out of the box. Remembering this is like ginormous waves and in the bottom of the ocean for three, oh, yeah. three days. New motor, Good R&D. new battery, new lid. Good to go. Done. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so well, that's that nice. You're getting box. tested. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's that, sorry? Yeah. I same electronics box. They they, they could use the, like the main That's functioning cool. part of it. Yeah, was uh, was salvageable and, and used again. Yeah, the the repair cost was minimal compared to the total price. When they were like fully like this thing's a write off. It's just gone. It's done. And we're like, ah, oh, that bit's fine. That bit's fine. Yeah, you know, these bits have been compromised because I mean, look at your board and your foil and your mask. They're snapped in half. But yeah, no, it's fine. We'll we'll just give you the bits you need and get you back on the water and, and, and off the, off they were back to uh, the next ginormous wave. <laughs> so I think, again, I didn't want to like, it, it, I think it's just an important thing to bring up that, you know, it, it's an electronic product, marine thing. It's got to be maintained in service, but we make that as easy as we think we can. Day-to-day maintenance is super easy. Like Ben just showed you, mm. you, you pull the rotor can off, you flush the stator and the rotor can with fresh water occasionally like depends on how many times you use it it could be once a few days once every week once every two weeks you just spray a little bit of uh, rust preventative uh, spray like lanolin or wd-40 on there and uh, it will literally last as you know perfect your original motor from two and a half years ago still running around in a month my original assist which was the second one ever off the production line is still in use still perfectly 100 percent operational um and yeah, and that's in a man where it's really hot and it's super really salty. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, quality yeah. stuff then. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's why it's because it's Aussie made. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and it's handmade with uh, sounds corny. Handmade with love. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, you got a you got a nice team. Yeah. That's pretty cool to see that actually. Yeah. 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 It's an awesome team. It really is. Every single person here, it's just like a big family. Everybody cares. Everybody, you know does what they need to do but have fun at the same time it's the messages after hours when people have already left work and i get a message it's like oh i forgot to do this and i was thinking about it in the shower and i, I forgot to send this person the tracking number can you please send it so they don't have to wait till tomorrow and you're like i'm pretty sure it's all good to wait one day but like thank you that's and then again that is actually genuinely what goes on uh our crew it, yeah uh, oh, that's so cool. committed to making sure that people have this have this gear and have a good time um, and I, I think, you know, without saying this, puffing my chest too much, our all drive owners group, the community of users and dealers and fans and our crew all floating around in that user group, I think is a true testament to when it's not, again, so many companies just throw away that line. Yeah, we've got really good customer support. It's like, it's such a throwaway marketing line a lot of the times. But if you want to see that for yourself, just go to the group. Mm-hmm and ask a question and either myself, Paul, Dom, anyone in the team here, 
we may not answer it first because our customers yeah. get to us first. I was going to say, when, and when, the, and yeah, when, when <laughs> Facebook group first started, mm. it used to be that any and every post, any and every question, either Paul or Ben answered. Then obviously some of it got taken up by the, the support team as, as the team grew. But now they've got a tough time answering before the rest of the, the full drive sort of community has already given you know, all the best answers anyway. Mm. So uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's awesome that all that community. Like it, oh, it's cool. a proper solid team and those guys are absolute yep. legends. And as I said, I get too many texts that I was thinking about this last night. I was just trying to think, can you please make sure we remind each other to do this tomorrow or get onto that person or replying to Facebook. It's, it's crazy, but it's a, it's a massive team effort. Mm-hmm. For sure. So. But in saying that, I am going to have to run because I do have another meeting in 15. But um, All right, fellas, this <laughs> was a blast. Awesome to chat. Because really that's, that's why we started, or uh, well, you started this foiling business is so that you can have a meeting after meeting. <laughs> you, you didn't want any time on order at all. <laughs> uh, no. No. That day will come. Well, hey, guys. So if they're look, anybody's looking to get a hold of you, what's the easiest way? Um, website, uh, Insta, all that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, the website is just foildrive.com. Um, support at foildrive is the great email to get on to us as well. If you, if you have a foildrive or have questions, obviously all the dealers around the world, um, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, all of those normal things. We have just pushed our podcast live on all the various podcast platforms as well if you want more backstory or more. We try to do a lot of short form content for just bing, bang, boom. This is what the information you want to know. And we try to follow that up with us rambling. And Dom's pretty good at that. Us rambling on about a particular topic for hours and hours and hours. So we try to put out as much of that kind of background context. And again, no smoke and mirrors. We'll call it as it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And we never try to claim things that it's not and it just does what it says on the tin and be open, honest, genuine people trying to help people get onto this stuff. That's, that's what it's about. Um, awesome guys. All of those. Well, Hey, I'm stoked to see you. I'm stoked to see you both there next year at AWSI. I think it'll be super fun and I'm definitely trying that. Thanks for taking the time today to chat with us. It was super, super awesome. Yeah. And uh, looking forward to seeing what's going to happen for the rest of the year. I think it'll be pretty cool. Awesome. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight and we'll see you next time. 